Welcome to Pod Pod. I'm Rihanna Dillon. I'm your host. And this week we're talking to Jimmy McLaughlin, who is a former Downing Street business advisor. I think he left in about 2019. Some would say just in time to run <laughs> Jimmy's Jobs of the Future, which interviews entrepreneurs about the jobs they're creating and what the future of our economy looks like. So I think we specifically wanted to hear about his podcast team and the way that he recruits. And he also runs an internship program, which is quite unusual for a smaller indie podcast. And we also talk about that ever elusive thing, for me at least, the business of podcasting. But before we get to Jimmy, I am of course joined by PodPod veterans, Adam Shepard and Reem Makari. Hi guys. Hello. 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 Wearing a lovely knitted jumper, Reem, even though it's (laughs) August. Oh no, it's September. We're in September now. Listen, my broom gets cold very, very easy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're styling it out. It looks great. Thanks. So I think I saw something on the PodPod website this week about the way that podcasts get their listeners. And it seems to be word of mouth. That seems to be the big winner still. So before we get into that, let me ask you, what have you been listening to? Any recommendations that you want to share with our listeners, Adam? Well, I have finally gotten around to listening to the Private Eye podcast, uh, page 94 in earnest, which has been on my to-do list for ages. I've kind of dipped in and out from time to time, but I've never really sat down and properly listened to it. So I finally made time to do that this week. And it is, as anyone who's listened to it will know, just a phenomenal podcast that manages to capture all of the energy and spirit of the publication that it's based on. But it's quite interesting for me because Private Eye doesn't really do much digital stuff. They don't publish any online content, really. They do a little bit of social stuff. Uh, but it's it's interesting to see a very stubbornly analog brand kind of coming into the, the digital space via podcasting. Interesting. So I've never heard this, but off the back of your recommendation, I think it sounds quite up my street. Who presents it? So it's presented by Andrew Hunter-Murray of No Such Thing as a Fish fame, who we've had on the podcast before. Uh, And he's joined by Helen Lewis and Adam McQueen from Private Eye. And on, I believe, alternating episodes, famed Private Eye editor uh, Ian Hislop. It's also produced by Rethink Audio, who also produced PodPod. Oh, lovely. Very cool. Mm. Reem, what about you? Any recommendations for our listeners? For any Arabic-speaking listeners, there's a podcast that I've been listening to since 2020 called Sardi After Dinner that's based in Beirut. And it's a really, really entertaining interview podcast that goes into deep subjects and sometimes taboo subjects. And I think it's a really, really great listen for anyone who speaks and understands Arabic. Love that. I have been listening to Unspooled, which is a film podcast, obviously, and uh, it's presented by Amy Nicholson, who's a critic, American critic, and Paul Shear, who's an actor. And it was because this week, I've sort of dipped in and out of their episodes, but this, or a few weeks ago, they were talking about Hot Fuzz, which is one of my favourite films. So I thought that would be quite a good one to listen to for an hour. But then I realised that I just, I know too much about Hot Fuzz to listen to a podcast telling me all about Hot Fuzz. It was a really (laughs) weird thing. I really like Unspooled when it's like telling me about films that I don't know as much about 
Hot Fuzz is not one of those films. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to give Kermode and Mayo's take a plug because I'm on it again mm. this week. So do do listen out for me and Anna Bogutskaya talking all about all things movies. It's always fun to do a little take takeover. But the reason that we're talking about podcast recommendations is because of this news item. Yes, Sounds Profitable released a new report on the podcasting landscape. One of the highlights from the report was saying that the best promotional tool for podcasts is still word of mouth. People are more likely to hear about a new show from someone in their social circle than they are to see sponsored posts. And based on that, they were saying that podcasters need to start enhancing their discoverability. And that goes by investing into podcast influencers or familiar faces like celebrities or other content creators. I wonder if we're going to see the rise of the podcast influencer very, very soon as well. Podcast critics. Mm. I mean, the world (laughs) is endless. Another, I think, quite underutilized promotional tool in terms of social platforms is LinkedIn, particularly for podcasters and brands that are trying to reach a more business focused audience. And that's something actually that I think Jimmy's Jobs of the Future does very, very well is tapping into that entrepreneurial sort of business flavored audience on their platform of choice. Oh, you tease. That's what we're just about to talk about with Jimmy. So let's get (laughs) to that now. Here's me and Adam talking to Jimmy McLaughlin. Jimmy McLaughlin, welcome to PodPod. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. So your your podcast is about the world of work, Jimmy's jobs of the future and what jobs people are going to be doing in the future. But tell us first how you got started in this, because this wasn't always what you were doing. No. So previously I was a special advisor in 10 Downing Street and I was doing that up until the end of 2019. And essentially I left when Boris Johnson became the prime minister, starting a family. And I needed to work out what I was going to do next. I advised on business and entrepreneurship. We, as a young family, went out to Stanford University to study for a couple of months and then came back and March 2020 happened. And we all remember our March 2020s. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mine felt particularly significant. My wife went back to work in the NHS and I became a stay-at-home dad to a five-month-old. So I'd sort of gone from Downing Street to diapers. Um, <laughs> and for those people that are parents, I there's not that much you can do with a five-month-old. And so essentially what we did was listen to lots of audio and radio. And it was during that time I thought, is there something I can do to help tackle the unemployment crisis that we're going to have coming up? And that's where the idea for Jimmy's Jobs of the Future was born, really. And we started it shortly after that. It was all about interviewing entrepreneurs, essentially, about where they thought the future of our economy was coming from. And you say the word entrepreneur. I think people have different interpretations of what that might be. So tell us what yours is. Yeah, well, I think that's a really good point because I would never have thought of myself as an entrepreneur and now running a podcast pretty much full time Mm -hmm. and taking on people. I have found that that is what I class as an entrepreneur is when you start hiring other people. There's lots of sometimes people refer us to solopreneurs out there, which is people doing their own thing, freelance and so on. But for me, the kind of entrepreneur side of things is when you start hiring people and all of a sudden it's not just your income that you're relying on you're relying on paying other people's and that feels like for the moment that was when it changed for me 
Mm. So speaking of that, then, what does the team behind Jimmy's jobs look like? Because I think it's tempting for people to look at podcasts as a solo activity, you know, where because the host is so visible, it's the team behind it often doesn't get thought about so much. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting. So at the outset, I just started using a kind of production company to help with a pilot series of eight episodes, right? Just test it out and see if it would go anywhere and so on. And that was with a company called Particle 6. And yeah, we got great feedback on the pilot series. And off the back of that, we were able to kind of get a sponsor and so on. And when my little daughter started nursery, I thought, you know, this has got to stack up a bit more financially for me. And then when we got that sponsorship, I was like, okay, well, let's bring it in-house essentially. And I hired somebody to work on it. And it was quite, at the beginning, a lot of it was editing, but this is how much the industry has changed in the last three years. Actually, editing is becoming a smaller and smaller part of what we are doing on a day-to-day basis, right? You guys will know this better than anyone, but the AI with Descript and Riverside, et cetera, is just becoming so much better at being able to do that. And so a lot of the time is kind of on on guest bookings. That's a big part of the job now is finding out those people. And, and also, particularly, we're trying to speak to lots of creators and other podcasters. It can be a real challenge sometimes to know the actual channel to get in touch with these people. Mm-hmm. So that's actually what a lot of time is is spent on. So it is amazing how much the job of a sort of traditional producer is actually changing, I think. Because Adam got in touch with you, was it via LinkedIn? Yes. So what are the kind of main channels that you use? Do you start with one and then kind of expand to have like a spider's web? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, if I could go back and tell myself three years at the beginning, it would probably not be to create individual social accounts for Jimmy's jobs necessarily and just kind of do it <laughs> off your own because it's just so much work. So yeah, I mean, predominantly we're on LinkedIn because we're kind of a work podcast. That's where I've got lots of connections and I think it works quite well, but we are on Instagram and you know, TikTok has been a big thing as well, right? And I know this is one of the things you regularly discuss on the podcast at the moment is, you know, the visual aspect of podcasting and so on. And initially I was quite snooty about TikTok. Yeah, you know, I was like, we're a serious business <laughs> long form podcast. Yeah, you know, we're not sort of teenagers dancing. <laughs> is that not literally what TikTok is, though? <laughs> Turns out it's not. Turns <laughs> out you shouldn't just go via stereotypes in life. <laughs> because actually, being able to sort of distill a 45 minute episode into a 60 second clip uh, is quite a challenge, but it's actually a really good one um, and actually makes you pull out the best bits of it. So we've seen big growth on, on there as well. So yeah, if you told me when I left number 10 that you know, I was going to be spending an inordinate amount of time on TikTok analytics, I think I would have been quite shocked by that. But yeah, the, yeah, that's the way that it's kind of heading. And I think it's really interesting. I do slightly worry it makes the... One of the beauties of podcasts is that it's really low barrier to entry for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do worry the video aspect of it does sort of increase those bars slightly from the outset. If you look at the kind of like the spidergram of Jimmy's jobs now and all the things that we have and do, I think I would have been quite daunted by that. That is a bit of a challenge for the industry going forward. 
Some podcasts have specific roles within the team dedicated to things like, you know, video, social, TikTok, etc. We were speaking to Dyer of a CEO's head of trailers, Ant Smith, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Do you have anyone like that on your team that's kind of majority or solely dedicated to those kinds of platforms? Yes, pretty much now we do have somebody that is a, we call them a sort of digital producer. He joined and then Sonny started as an assistant producer, but has been brilliant at kind of making the content so much more visually engaging. And so he has done that. I mean, initially I hired him because I was like, we've got so much coming in that we need somebody to assist the production, right? So therefore they are an assistant producer. Um, but he has really sort of taken the baton on with the visual side of it and has created so much that he pretty much looks after that. So we have Luke who looks after the kind of like audio side of things and making sure that that all happens, which is almost like a sort of pre-production-esque side. And then because a lot of what you spend your time on as a podcaster is distribution and how do you kind of mm. effectively build those distribution channels? And basically Sunny just does that. So it's quite interesting. I mean, I do find the irony of this, you know, running a podcast called Jimmy's Jobs of the Future and now spending, you know, a lot of time at the very forefront of creating these jobs myself um, <laughs> and like and, and what they actually are and how do we actually describe these people as well. So we try and keep titles sort of simple, um, but it's not always as easy as that. I'd imagine particularly with how sort of search-driven and algorithm-driven job hunting is in this day and age, the language and terminology and titles that you use to advertise jobs must be so important just for, you know, getting in front of people that you want to be recruiting. In terms of the sort of recruitment channels that you're using, when you're talking specifically about like audio and production roles, does that change where you're sort of sourcing talent from? It does a bit. I mean, we fundamentally use LinkedIn quite a lot. I mean, I'm coming from government, one of the most uncreative places in the world, <laughs> to a podcast media production company, essentially, which turns out is very creative. And that has been a big step change for me because I don't really have networks to kind of hire from, right? And that is where most startup leaders that you speak to, the first 10 or 15 people generally come from people they've worked with before or other people that know of people that are kind of one degree separation. Now, that is not very democratic. It's not particularly socially mobile, but it, that is just the nature of the way that people hire those first roles. So it has been a bit of a lesson for me in terms of like, well, how do you recruit? What titles do you recruit for? Mm. How many people do you actually have in your team? So we have three full-time people now mm -hmm. and we use a kind of a small army of freelancers who will look after lots of things. So for example, we have somebody who just looks after our kind of PR and comms, but that is much more one or two days a month. So when we've got a big particular episode, we'll kind of say, can you kind of help on this? This is what we want to do with it, et cetera. And that has taken me a lot of getting used to in terms of having lots of kind of freelancers and so on. It's quite, again, that is not a world that I'd come from before. How long has uh, the podcast been going for now? Uh, the podcast has been going, well, three year anniversary next month. Three years. Okay. So a person for every year that you've been going. Yes, you could look at it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you sort of envision as, you know, the podcast goes on that you are going to grow this team? Do you think you need to grow the team? 
Or actually, is it working quite well having this roster of freelancers? Because, you know, you're not going to be the only company that does that. Yeah, I think that I would potentially like to grow the team, but I don't see it as necessarily you need to grow the team to grow the team's sake, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I think that too often people can look at that. I think the AI and things that we are seeing in the industry is phenomenal in terms of like how it's making people's lives easier on that sense. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think there's a massive opportunity. I think we are so early in the kind of podcasting foothills. I think there's going to be loads of opportunity out there. And yeah, we're exploring different shows as well. We are also looking at how we move Jimmy's Jobs of the Future to kind of a live event, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously what a lot of podcasters do, but it's, mm. you know, we are quite a serious show. How do you make that happen? But I think the co-hosting shows out there, you're going to see much more of as well. You had that brilliant episode, sorry, the person's name slips my mind from a few weeks ago on the co-hosting conundrum. Red Handed, was that yes. that one? Mm. Yeah, that was a great episode and i think yeah it's been very interesting to see the rest is politics and the success of that show with alistair campbell and rory stewart yeah there'll Mm. be a challenge for whether they can keep that going and how do you increase the longevity of podcasts shows and so on but yeah i think it's an incredibly exciting industry and i think it's going to create a lot of a lot of jobs as well Mm. On that subject, then, uh, in addition to the freelancers, you also run the Rolling Intern Programme. Can you tell us a little bit more about the structure of that and kind of how that sort of first came into being? Well, it's very fluid, I would say, on that. So we don't at the moment have kind of like a set summer programme. It's just somewhere that we have on the website. And it's partly, again, a sort of reflection of the way that work's changing, because actually you can intern, in inverted commas, whilst you're at university now. And I just think it's a it's a great opportunity. You know, it was internships taught me a huge amount kind of about the working world and the way to operate and so on. And yeah, you know, I just want to give them as an accessible opportunity for people to apply as well. Can you give us an example of what an intern might do for your podcast? Yeah. So they, what they would potentially do is that they'll often kind of work on creative ideas because that's the hardest thing I found sort of starting out, right? Is that actually, yeah, we talk about content creators and you need to have creative sessions to be able to do that. And it's quite hard when you're working on your own. So you do need to build sort of a mini team. I mean, there's a lot, I think similar between podcasters and comedians and we're getting more comedians on the show because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. But again, you need people. They obviously sit at the heart of their own kind of empires, but they need people to be able to bounce ideas off and be able to work alongside. So that's what we'll do with a lot of people. And it's also speaking to them about what they're seeing in the working world, what's mm. engaging with them. So, you know, interns come in for experience and I often find that we end up learning a huge amount from them about the way that we should go forward as well. So in terms of the internship program, where do you find that these interns are coming from in terms of areas of specialization? You know, if they're coming from universities, uh, are there any sort of patterns in the courses they're taking? And are there any measures that you've put in place to try and ensure that there's a good amount of diversity coming through this pipeline? Well, you can 
sort of see sometimes through my LinkedIn about, you know, when we kind of hit a particular university, because we'll sort of end up with 40 or 50 followers coming in from a university where it's clearly being sort of spread around that it should be done in terms of people should apply and, and so on. I think one of the key things on diversity, because I think there is a real challenge for the podcast industry more broadly here on that. Yeah. Yeah, we are pretty hot on keeping our guests at kind of like a 50-50 ratio male to female. It's tough because I posted about this on International Women's Day. So we've had 200 applicants to come on Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. 198 of them were men or PRs on behalf of men. Right, So that is something that we really have to be shit hot on, is going out and approaching <laughs> women on that side of things. And I started with a daughter and by this autumn, I will have three daughters. So I am even more convinced of the kind of like importance of doing that. And it is a real challenge. So I hope that our guests kind of reflect that. We aren't great at interns in terms of going out and finding people, right? It is a very reactive thing, but it's something that we probably could be better at. So thanks for pulling me up on it, guys. Does that involve class as well? Because, you know, that's also a major problem in podcasting is, although you were saying the barrier, the kind of entry level, you want to keep that as low as possible to ensure that as many people can come through. But obviously that's not the case in podcasting. Yes, huge. Class is a major thing for us in terms of that accessibility and getting people on the podcasts and getting people to come and work here. We have just done an episode with Joe Seddon, who's the founder of Zero Gravity, who is specializing in getting people from underprivileged backgrounds to apply for Russell Group universities. So we've done a lot of work with them around that. My father was a coal miner and he went on into politics himself, but it is something that I think is is really important to make sure that we do and really is kind of probably the overriding ethos of why I started the podcast when you drill down into all the reasons for it was I felt that I had been very fortunate in my career to have some great opportunities and kind of wanted a mechanism to be able to go back because I think business is exciting and I never think it's been a more exciting time, but I do think it's quite overwhelming. And that's that's what we're trying to do with our episodes, right? Is like, if you could transport Miles Jacobson, the chief executive of Football Manager, into every school in the country and say, this is why you need to learn computer programming. Mm. This is why I'm short of English language people, Mm. right? You wouldn't necessarily think of that with a football game, but he is short of those people. And if we could do that for every sector and every exciting company, I think we can make a real difference. And I should say that generally we're, we're, we're aiming Jimmy's jobs at the kind of 23 to 32 year old. So those kind of formative years, because a lot is already chucked at school kids and university Mm -hmm. graduates, but it's for people that have got their first or second job potentially out of school or university and are thinking, oh, is this the right thing? Now I've learned a bit more about me and the world. Is this what I want to do? And I just think there's a lot of exciting things out there. Yeah. It's why we have now people, it's not just entrepreneurs that we have on the show, right? We had Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, right? Coming on and talking about the job of the governor of the Bank of England, but also the 5,000 people that the Bank of England employs, you Mm -hmm. know, because they don't really have the time or resource to be able to get into every school in the country and kind of bring it alive. 
not that the Bank of England necessarily needs to be brought alive. Does but, at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. <laughs> Interest rate does, if nothing else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we're just trying to do with it, right? And I am probably coming across, but yeah, really passionate uh, about this because I think it doesn't matter what your background is. You know, talent is spread equally and we need to be encouraging people to be ambitious for their careers. You know, I think all the work around what the 93% club have done around state educated pupils is brilliant. And we're talking to them over the last couple of days, actually, about potentially doing something there as well, because we need to be making the most of all of our talent, right? I yeah. think it is going to be one of the biggest challenges that we face in the 21st century in the Western world is how do we utilize our talent more? How do we use it better? And how do we give people more opportunity, particularly with all the AI stuff coming in, right? Like, I think people are beginning to see it more now. And just super quickly, and apologies if you've mentioned this and I missed it, the internship placements are paid, aren't they? Oh, yes, absolutely. Another thing that I try and do, Adam, is when we ask people to apply for proper roles in terms of like full-time production roles, is quite often you're asking them to produce a piece of content or a trailer or a social media post, you know, I pay for those as well. So if you're, cause I want people to do a proper job of it. And so we sort of say, well, we'll pay you our half day rate for that. I think that's really important because otherwise, again, you know, you just end up entrenching the challenges we have around social mobility. Hmm. So has the internship program enabled you to accelerate your growth as a business, I suppose? And is that something that you'd advise other podcasters to explore? Yes, I think so. I think it's definitely kind of, I mean, it's very hard, isn't it, to know what actually leads to podcast growth, right? Yeah, it kind of comes in stages, right? Like we can benchmark it off particular episodes generally, but it's not easy to to do that. But yeah, I think it is. And how do you kind of build that community, right? I think is going to be a bigger and bigger part for podcasts. And you, know, you had the chap on who'd done the horror movies recently, which I found fascinating in terms of the kind of communities that have been springing up like off all the sides of that. I mean, it was at the moment, we haven't done that much on Jimmy's Jobs kind of community, just because I appreciate that community management is a whole job in itself as Ooh, yeah. well. Mm. Right. And, you know, you actually have to be quite careful of it in, in, in lots of ways. And it's also, it's just yet another platform to manage as well, which I'm still <laughs> so, sort of scarred by my early days from. Um, but yeah, so I, th I think it, I think it does. And I think, you know, sort of particularly as a careers podcast, yeah, we've sort of thought about having kind of ambassadors for the show as well, which we haven't, we haven't done that, uh, yet, but that is something else that I sort of, think about could be quite interesting because I would like to go to kind of universities and go out to regions more. I mean, we've just done a big project in the northeast of England, exploring the economy up there and all the different jobs being created up there. And if I'd had more time, I would have loved, and it hadn't been the middle of summer, to have gone to a university and gone and spoken to some students as well and got them kind of fired up about the exciting world that's out there. Yeah, you mentioned the possibility of doing live events in the future earlier on. Could we maybe see Jimmy's job fair at some point? Yeah, quite possibly. Yes, I think that would be interesting. I mean, more at the moment, we're exploring how do you make the show a bit more kind of accessible and entertaining 
so we've had a couple of comedians on lately, which is just a job that I'm fascinated by. And how do you mm. kind of bring, you know, a lot of business and corporate content is quite boring. So mm. how do you make that more interesting, more accessible and so on is something that we're doing. But yeah, a, a job fair, I think it would be really interesting as well. On that subject, I'm just going to give a very quick shout out to Paul Boris, who does the Humorology podcast, which is literally that exact idea is taking the sort of principles of comedy and applying that to the world of business in terms of, you know, how you, you know, run meetings or give presentations and all of that sort of stuff. So anyone who's interested in in that topic, that podcast is well worth a listen. You've mentioned this WhatsApp group a few times and that that sort of sounds like that is its own little community, despite your protestations that you really do not <laughs> want to be involved in an online community right now. But so how does that work in terms of engaging, you know, fans and potential employees, etc.? And I guess guests as well, maybe? Yeah, and and sort of all of those roles slightly change at points as well so there are some guests that we've had on that i've said actually you know do you want to join the the whatsapp group and so on and it's just a bit of a uh heads up i mean it's not that sort of big i think we've got about 40 to 50 in it or so of people who initially it all started as you know basically family and friends right but it kind of evolves but they get things like you know we might use them to test a thumbnail with or a title with or you know, people that are coming on the show, you know, have they got questions for, etc. And so that's quite an, an interesting way of developing it. And how else do you get feedback from your audience about who they might want to hear from in the future? I listened to an episode which just sounded really kind of valuable about care apps uh, and yeah. just about, you know, teaching, kind of educating younger children yes. using an app, which I thought was just really fascinating. As someone who doesn't yet have children... But I was like, I must remember this for the future. So it's all yeah. stuff that you don't necessarily even know that you want, but actually is incredibly useful as an audience member. I think, yeah, I mean, we have a, a notion document, right, of interesting guests, which is, yeah, I'd say as long as my arm, but it's probably longer than that, right? Because I just think that anybody that is creating a job or doing a job in a different way, we are quite interested in talking to. We're interested in all types of jobs. And now that does make it hard in terms of you can't just do what you're interested in, mm. but that is also not a bad starting point <laughs> for it because you're then interested in it and it, and that sort of comes across, right? So you just need to be, um, you, you need to be a little bit careful of that. But does your audience kind of suggest people? We get a lot of suggestions on people that are interesting. And I will say right here, right now as well, because I always do. You know, we are always interested in female founders. We are always interested in regional stories as well from across the UK. So they are the two things that we are really interested in. So that one you listened to was Jenny Johnson, Jenny Johnson female yeah. founder from Manchester. Who's brilliant. Right? Yeah, right. And what a great story that is. And that and it's uncovering these things that, you know, this was my job in number 10, right, was to try and bring interesting people into the Prime Minister that were a bit different. Because, you know, Tesco and Marks and Spencer they will always kind of have a foot in the door with these things, right? My job was to, that's how I first came across Ben Francis of Gymshark, right? Was like when I was just trying to find different people to bring into the meeting with a prime minister. And obviously he's gone on to incredible success since then. But company I found the other day in Middlesbrough that 
employs 300 people in the gaming industry, right? Like, and it's a B2B company, so called Double Eleven, that you might not have heard of, but they're working on some of the biggest games that are being created in the world that is being done from Teesside in Middlesbrough. And there's a chance that kids even from in and around that area might not be aware of them, right? And so that's what we're sort of trying to do is find those kind of interesting stories. One of my favourite episodes is with a guy called Patrick O'Mahony, who does all the drone shows of the Mm. Buckingham Palace for the Jubilee and so on, right? They employ 50 people in Leeds. I mean, what a cutting edge job that is, like basically Mm. operating drones. And again, you wouldn't have heard of them because they're not a consumer facing company. But yeah, we've had them on the show a couple of times and, and profiled some of the different things they're doing. Those are the kind of things that we're really looking for. That's such a cool job. And you you mentioned that when you were at Downing Street, finding these people with interesting jobs and interesting roles and perspectives was something that you were kind of quite focused on. Are there any other learnings that you've taken or any learnings that you've consciously kind of avoided from your time working in in government? Yes. Well, I, I do say that sort of I've managed to get the best bits of my job from Downing Street, which was speaking to interesting entrepreneurs and interesting business leaders about where they thought the future was going without having to worry about the technicalities around the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, and I think one of the things that Downing Street teaches you is to be very efficient with time and very precise kind of with your questions in terms of what you're trying to find out, what you're trying to relay back to the Prime Minister. So there's quite a lot that it kind of taught me. I would say sort of on the on the more, don't like the phrase, but the softer side of skills in terms of that is something. And, you know, I've also used the former Downing Street advisor thing, you know, until 18 months ago, it was a really impressive line. I mean, now, <laughs> now people look at you a bit more quizzically um, and sort of challenge you about parties and how long you were actually there for. But um, so, yeah, so um, that's one of the things that that I think I've I've learned from it as well. And, and just that yeah, government is this big hand and, you know, it's, you know, we rely on the people that create jobs that start out that take on that person and take on another person, right? And that was another kind of one of the key stories that I I tell is it used to be my job to get the phone call at five to eight in the morning from the chief of Debenhams saying, look, we're just about to go into liquidation, about to make 12,000 people redundant, just wanted to let you know before the stock markets so you can let the prime minister know. And it'd be my job to go in there at the 8am meeting and explain that and she would often say to me, well, all we hear though is that we're at record high employment. Where are all these other jobs coming from? And it's, you know, it is people like Ben Francis who are creating two or three jobs a week, every week mm. for, you know, five or six years. And, and we don't hear about that because it's not news. You know, I often think about the story about Wilco's over the last few weeks would have been mm. something that we would have I've been worried about. Yeah, it's 10 to 12,000 livelihoods mm-hmm. And families that depend on that as well, which mm. is so sort of challenging. And yeah, we just need to do what we can for these people because I think it's, it is going to get even more challenging. Mm. In terms of what the future looks like for the podcast, do you have any sort of plans or aims for how you want to build on this momentum that has already grown so much in three years? Such a big question. I, <laughs> I cannot 
believe the kind of success that it's had in three years, to be honest. Like, I, yeah, I thought it would go well. Like, it wasn't a complete shot in the dark, but I, I hadn't expected it to kind of take the trajectory that it has. And it has been lovely on so many levels, but I also feel that we've equally only just scratched the surface mm-hmm. of this. And, you know, I want to make a business show that is informative for lots of people, that is enjoyable, that highlights some of these amazing stories right across the country. And we've definitely done that a bit at the moment, but, you know, there's also a lot more that I think we could do. But I've learned so much in three years, I don't put a kind of ceiling on it. One of the reasons that I started the podcast was that I was really scrabbling around to find an idea that was scalable, right? Like, how do you do something that can really take off? And the podcast has definitely done that. But I don't have a vision necessarily of where I want it to go. But I also just think a big part of life is just kind of enjoying the journey and, you know, getting to speak to very interesting people every single week about their jobs and the jobs that they're creating is an enormous privilege. And we've just got to find ways of making that entertaining without falling too much into the social media trap of being too outlandish and so on. And that's why, you know, I thought the chat you did with Ant Smith of Diary of a CEO the other day around trailers was really interesting. And how do you make uh, that happen? And, and how do you entice people in? Actually, that's the point. When you're interviewing these people, you're interviewing so many incredible people in business. And it's the same sort of with Diary of a CEO where he's interviewing so many people it would be so easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of advice that they're proffering. So for you, how do you distill down what you might take actually to your own company or what's appropriate for you? Are there ones that stand out for having given you really great advice that you've followed through? It's so interesting. We've just started doing reposts of some of our first episodes from three years ago, because obviously we have a lot more listeners now and it is fascinating. Oh yeah, you did Starling, right? Like you reposted yeah, we did repost with Van Boden from Starling Bank. Mm. That's an amazing story. They talk about challenging stereotypes, you know, a kind of Welsh woman launching a fintech unicorn from Cardiff, right? But it's pretty extraordinary. Oh, and she's five foot. She says this all herself in the interview, <laughs> by the way. It's not me, it's not me saying that. <laughs> but it, it is extraordinary. And yeah, there are things on that. I mean, I listened to Pip Jameson, which was our second ever episode, founder of The Dots, which is a great creative um, hub, actually, in terms of finding freelancers in particular. You know, she was talking about hiring for mindset and culture above all else. And only now, having hired directly for people myself, does that, it just rings so much truer. Now, one of the things that we were thinking about calling it was like careers council. So much more kind of like, look, this is just my counsel rather than my mm-hmm. advice. Um, but I pitched it to a few of my entrepreneurial friends and they were like, you know, it's a great idea, but this is a terrible, terrible name. And in fact, it was Pip Jameson <laughs> said, it's such a terrible name that you pitched it two minutes ago. I've already forgotten what it's called. And it was, <laughs> and it was Catherine Parsons that said, you know, you've got to make this about you. You've got to make this Jimmy's Jobs of the Future or something like that. And I was like, Joe, you know that is it. That is it. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, that's all true. And, and, and the naming of stuff is so important, right? And that's one of the questions that unlocks entrepreneurs quite quickly. I find at the beginning of interviews, we've started doing a lot more is sort of saying, yeah, you know, where did the, where did the name come from? Cause often people have put a lot of thought and a lot of time into that. And that's quite a 
quite a good question to sort of unlock people pretty quickly. But yes, it is hard to sort of keep up to date with all the kind of like content and advice. But I also think that one day my sort of dream or one of the dream products that we would have is that people will discover us for the first time and they will come to the website and they will answer, you know, maybe sort of 20 or 30 questions about their interests and about what they like. And it will say, okay, well, here's four or five podcasts to start with then that might particularly Mm. sort of interest you. Because I think that's also when I recommend other podcasts and you guys are good at doing this as well is, is try and recommend one specific one for people to to start with because there's such mm. a kind of deluge of content out there now that it can be quite difficult sometimes to start at the at the most recent episode or the beginning of one because podcasts mm. evolve so much. Um, Emma, could you just cut together me asking Jimmy how he got the name for his company? So if I just put this and we'll put that at the beginning, just thought we sound really <laughs> professional. Thanks so much. <laughs> I just wanted to close out by asking if you have any tips for other podcasters for building a strong and effective team. I would say you need people that are aligned with your mission. So you need people that are good editors and can kind of carry out the task, but you also want people that are really invested in whatever you're trying to do with your podcast, whether that's be funny, whether that's inform people about the news or whether it's about parenting whatever it is, you need somebody that is aligned with you on that, I think is really important. And then the other final thing that I would say about podcasting and advice that I find myself giving to people is do not worry about the numbers. Even if you've only got a dozen listeners to kind of begin with, you know, that is okay. And actually, if you thought about that in terms of a pub room, you know, that is, that's quite a few people actually listening to your conversation with it. And one of the most powerful things for it, for me of doing a podcast, one of the unintended benefits and consequences of it is my family and friends having a much greater understanding about what I do as a job and what I did in Mm. number 10. And that has been a real kind of like benefit. And actually, you know, just having a dozen listeners or whatever is is kind of a a, a privilege and of course you you want to grow and, and grow more and and so forth but it's that's that's not bad so i would encourage people to to stick at it through that that's great counsel thank you so much jimmy it's been really lovely to talk to you about this thank you and if anyone does just to plug the website jobsofthefuture.co is where the internships are listed and so on. Um, I joke that is jobsofthefuture.co because when we started out, we couldn't afford the M. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Jimmy, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's been a real pleasure. That was Jimmy McLaughlin talking all about Jimmy's jobs of the future. And I love that you can take the man out of politics, but you can't really take the politics out of the man, can you? Did you notice the the Rishi Sunak, I have daughters line (laughs) from Jimmy, which I really enjoyed. I've got to say, I'm really impressed the way that he's quite willing to pay like even a half day for ideas that he might implement. I would love to see more of that, not just in podcasting, but generally. I think that kind of makes a workforce so much more engaged and interested from the off when they don't feel like they're kind of throwing ideas into the abyss only for them to be stolen. You know, at least they're being credited. That was a key takeaway for me. What about for you guys, Reem? 
Well, it was the same for me because he was saying that part of the last stage of the interviewing process, when they do pay for a half day, part of the tasks that they have to do is edit a trailer. And I just remember the episode that we had with the head of trailers for Diary of a CEO with him saying that it takes like a day or up to two days to edit one trailer for an episode. So it's really, really great that he's actually paying them for their time. I really respected that. Yeah, especially in the creative industries as well. I think it's so easy to take advantage of. And even, you know, I remember I had a a mentee years ago who put forward an idea to a big corporation and then that idea actually got taken on and taken forward and implemented, but she never knew if that was because it came from her or because it was internal. And it was like like a slightly awkward thing about whether or not, because she didn't get the job, whether or not it had been stolen or not. And it just creates this horrible gray area. So I think doing something like this really takes all of the doubt out of it. Adam, what about you? Yeah, I think the paid internships were one of the things that really stuck out for me because particularly in the creative industries, in a lot of cases, they're really quite limited just in terms of availability and the number of places that that there are. So yeah, kudos to to Jimmy's jobs for, you know, paying all of its intern programs, but also Kudos to them for having a rolling internship program in the first place, Mm -hmm. because that is something that is, you know, a big potential accelerator because young people coming into the industry are super motivated, full of ideas, full of fresh perspectives. I mean, you know, like Reem is a fantastic example of this, you know, just so much energy and enthusiasm that you get from these kind of recent graduates coming into organizations. And if you don't have sort of entry, entry level internship programs available in sectors like podcasting, it really limits that pipeline of talent that you get coming in. So the more programs like this that are out there, the healthier the overall industry will be. Yeah. Go, Reem. Thank you for the ego boost. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is it from us for PodPod this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. All of the news items that we get at the top of the podcast come from the website. So do look there for all of the latest in the world of podcasting. And you can sign up to our daily email bulletins as well. Or follow us on social at podpodofficial. Do give us a little five-star review. We really appreciate it when you do. Thank you. And thank you, of course, to Jimmy McLaughlin. The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. And as ever, I was joined by Adam Shepard and Reem Makari with their fabulous insights. I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.